0: Everyone, welcome aboard to another edition of the Little Dum Dum Club. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tommy Dassolo. Sitting opposite me is my co-host Carl Chandler. G'day,
1: dickhead. How's it going? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. This is we're doing a one in the morning. Not that it matters when you're listening to this, but mm. this is a rare morning episode. Yeah.
0: Normally we're here at like midnight. Yep. We have had McDonald's on the way in. This is good to be back in the studio. Thanks for everyone who uh, came out to our live episode over the weekend. That was heaps of fun. Um, my favourite part about listening back to that is that, for some weird reason, the audio on Carl's microphone, there's a slight echo on it. So when the, the stage is packed, it sounds like there's like four people in a room having fun and then just one asshole trapped down a well just throwing <laughs> shit up at people. Uh, it's really good. Uh, just quick plugs up the start. Uh, if you're in Melbourne, you can see Carl... At the Comedy Festival, doing his show, Jokes and 140 Characters. And if you're in Sydney... At the Forum. At the Forum, theatre, Yep. yep. If Seven o'clock. In, if you're in Sydney, you can see me uh, during the week at the Sydney Comedy Festival at Corridor, doing my show, Buck Wild. We should also mention that we are coming to you. You may be listening to us on Barry Digital Radio, so hello. Uh, and if this is your first time listening, uh, jump on iTunes. We've got heaps of old episodes that you can listen to that are a lot of fun. Enough housekeeping. Let's get into it. Uh, we very excited about our guest today. He is a guest of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. He's also the creator and host of the podcast WTF. It's Mark Marin. Yay. Yay! Oh,
2: listen to that. Heaps of applause. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed you said heaps twice, and then maybe I should integrate that into uh, my lexicon while I'm here.
1: That's a new... I've heard a couple of Americans notice that. Is that the, something that... That you guys don't say and we say a lot of. I don't
2: know. I've don't. i I've given up doing the homework around what <laughs> I can say and can't say internationally, what will be lost. This is the first trip I've taken where I'm just not going to do that, where you wander around going, do you guys say car? <laughs> do, do you? What do you say for the color brown? Is it just brown or is there another word for it? Do you yep. guys have trees here? Yeah. What do you call them? Are they
1: called <laughs> trees or are they called leafy things? So I don't want to mess up. You're going to be the atypical American now that just doesn't care and talks starts talking to us about water to Mondale, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't either.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: you... A vice presidential candidate from 1976?
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I did I'm notice not gonna... that you're
0: being quite blunt about it, because I'm in the car on the way here, several times I would say something, and you would just say, I don't know what that is.
2: Well, Yeah, why, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> Pretend like I do?
1: Try to decode your cryptic no, I, yeah. Australian poetry? You've earned the right to not give a shit about what we're talking about. That's fine. <laughs> no, yeah. no,
2: it's not that I don't care. It's just like there are slangs, and I just find that if I'm going to do my stuff if something gets lost because of language then either i won't do it as opposed to you know add in whatever you know colloquialism you guys understand <laughs> for jerking off or for thinking or whatever it is it's not i'm not being condescending it's just going to fuck up the joke yeah. and it's going to make me sound like a pandering douchebag on some level or else it's going to make people go oh look he did the the work to to speak like us well, I can't, it's a tricky thing i just decide I I think most people understand what I'm saying.
0: Well, I guess there's one of you Am on stage. Am I being stage. cranky? Am but, I being cranky? No, not, not at all. No,
2: no, no. You've,
1: I think you've livened up once the mic
2: went on. I mean, <laughs> what was I supposed to do? No, did, no. I, did you want an exciting car ride? That wasn't part of our free agreement. <laughs> you want an exciting car ride? You're going to have to give me more than just coffee Riding a ride in a shitty car.
0: Oh. Poor yeah, little Deslo's that's, car. That's, yeah, okay, that, that's fair. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to you... know I had to be on for, <laughs> for what apparently is the first time you guys been awake at noon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, I guess you're fair in your, in your not. I mean, I like the idea that there's one of you on stage. There's a few hundred people in the crowd. They're the ones that should do the homework. So what you're saying to people coming to see your shows, you're not going to look up. The words that we use They should be looking up the words That you're going to use No, no I mean, that would be condescending I,
2: I just think that I, I don't have those expectations It's just There's this thing where people You know how it works If you're a comic on the road Even if you're in America And you go And you're in a particular market So, you know The headliner will go in And it's like Alright, where do all the poor people live? What's the shitty part of town? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. How can I drop in references That yeah. will make people excited That I've identified With their culture In this particular place? I mean, it happens regionally In the States, too So my thought was is that you're not... I'm not saying anything that's that it's not going to be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I just think there's a fine line between using language that, that you guys use here mm-hmm. which is just saying that, you know, for whatever I'm saying, that maybe it, it doesn't cross over. But I think there's something weird and kind of pandering about, like, you know, throwing the word wanker in or that. <laughs> it's like because it's just me trying to be understood whereas I think you'll understand me if I say it the other way. But there are some cultural things that, that you yeah. don't have here. I don't know what they are. I, again, I haven't done any homework, but I think we're all on the <laughs> same page. You're it is a, a a sort of uh, slowly bankrupting global economy. I think we're all you know drinking from the same well, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I, I think we pick up on American stuff because I mean we're we're weaned on American television, whatever. And you're always sort of doing that thing where you see something on American television, and you go, "Oh, that must mean that in that context." Or like whatever.
2: what? Give me some examples.
1: Well, like I've said this before about like um, a lot of stuff I know about uh, America is uh, through Mad Magazine. Sure. So if I read Walter Mondale or Richard Nixon... Or, what, were you reading
2: old mad magazines? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Okay,
1: so you're actually...
2: Somehow you found a box of old mad magazines that some American had here in the mid-70s that you bought at the Victoria Market. Yeah. And, and this is how you've educated yes. yourselves to
1: American slang. Yeah. Like, honky is still fresh yeah, with you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, are you the white or the black spy? <laughs> I'm both. Right. I think the great thing
2: about Spy versus Spy is it was a yin and yang thing that we had to deal with. It was a, a Jungian archetype that was being presented to us. Do you have Jung here? Carl Jung. He was a psychologist, oh, right. sort of a renegade offshoot of the Freud school that decided that everything was symbolic and we all had the same things percolating in our brain that were ancient. Right. Right. Have, you, you, got same,
1: no, Have we, you got the same theory about the Don Martin cartoons as well in there? When Don Martin, noises, yeah, noses, yeah. noses and noises, yeah. big
2: mouths, tongues flapping out. Yep. Yeah, love oh, Don Martin. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. that was great stuff. Yeah. I love Mad Magazine. I did, Yeah, but I grew out of it at some point. Yeah, I know Moved on nice. to National
1: Lampoon. Oh, we never really got that there. We know that they sponsored the European vacations, but that was a <laughs> No, no before, before
2: Vacation, Lampoon, as a satire magazine, before the company became a corporation that did that, they did, in the mid, early 70s, the Lampoon magazines were great. I mean, right. they had some great writers on there. They did some real cutting edge stuff, and then it became this business. So the National Lampoon that produced those movies had nothing to do with the original magazine. We or had had some of the. Who would you know? from that crew well they were sort of uh there was a, the national lampoon's lemmings
1: was was uh, conan o'brien on that uh, did he used to write for national lampoon
2: I, I don't know if he did it wasn't for the original one those original writers were people like pj o'rourke sean oh, yeah. kenny uh chris kelly they did they were sort of aligned with the lemmings they did this live show called lemmings that belushi was in and bells oh, yeah, and, and, and bill murray it yeah. was that generation i mean it's way back it's the 70s but they did some good shit yeah yeah right
1: this, I have to say this heaps is bit, of good shit. Yeah, that's good. Now I understand. Finally, yeah. the penny's dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I had just had a blank stare there for five minutes, but now you've yeah. just clicked it, right? Yeah, it just took one word, he, heaps <laughs> of, heaps and, good. and we've uh, re-engaged. Yep. Yeah. Um, it is weird talking to you here, especially into the microphone, because now I'm hearing what I usually hear on the W2FTF podcast. Do I sound like me? Yeah, does. You sound exactly like you. Well, that, you thank here. God
2: I've worked a long, hard time You've nailed it. to sound like me, great... <laughs> to finally arrive at me. You do taken... a great you. Well, thank you. It's taken 25 years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sort of sounds, And now that I'm part of it, it feels like all of a sudden I'm on stage Jamming with Bon Jovi <laughs> Wow You are the Bon Jovi of comedy
2: you Couldn't have Someone better than Bon Jovi I mean
1: Bon Jovi's good here we, oh, Bon Jovi's like He's heaps good oh, So here. wait
2: I understand You guys are 20 years behind us Is that what <laughs> you're exactly saying That's exactly it yeah so th-
0: Bon Jovi's the prime minister Of this country yeah. <laughs> Really <laughs> yeah. He's just
2: the prince of New Jersey Where I live
1: He's like He's like Archbarker He's even bigger here Oh yeah <laughs>
2: He was pretty big where I live, too, with yeah. a certain uh, with a certain bunch.
1: Can you see the statue out there of Bon Jovi? That's how big he is. I thought that was Arch Barker. No. It's interesting. <laughs>
2: oh, it's right next to the Arch Barker yeah, yeah, statue, yeah. which is a They're little high-fiving smaller. high-fiving each other. Yeah. 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 high-fiving each other on success with Australian <laughs> pussy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The, the then thing then I'm
0: enjoying about the commitment to this little thing that we're doing is that Mark's actually looking out the window at the statue that he's created in his in, own mind. I'm in, man. I'm in. You're really uh, I'm
2: method, baby. <laughs> you've,
1: you've committed. <laughs> I, yeah. I've built statues. I've built statues. They saw them,
2: I saw the size of them, I saw them being toppled by an uprising.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> and you've, all, you've also, and because I'm right next to you, I see that you've got a WTF bit of jewelry, a, a, a ring. It's quite a bit of bling, that ring. Did you make that or did you... No, a fan made it and there's just no
2: way I wasn't going to wear it. He spent a lot of time on it and uh, he's a jeweler and he put a little diamond on it. It's the only thing I wear. Thank God it fit at least one finger. Uh, yeah, it's a big piece of jewelry, but I think it's fitting, and as it wears down a little bit, I, I think I own it. Do you have mine.
1: one one-tenth of, of your way onto being... The podcast world, Sammy Davis Jr. Sure, I just got
2: to lose an eye and change color. I, uh, yeah, this hat, this hat was knitted by a fan. Oh, really? It's being uh, decorated <laughs> by my fans. Yeah.
0: That's what I wanted to talk to you about because um, in listening to the show, mm. you seem to have gotten yourself into this point where, you know, you, you've said this, you talk about foods and stuff that you like and then you turn up to gigs and – it was this weird well, thing some, where people just bring you gifts now. Some
2: precedent was set years ago when I was at a, a – I used to do Lefty Talk radio, and, and people would uh, send in baked goods, and I talked about it. And then somehow it got to, to be a theme in, in WTF, and I would literally – I say literally a lot, and i got to let go of it. Literally in It's, the, and American,
0: it's, yeah, it's <laughs> the American heaps, isn't it?
2: <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. It's a bad habit. You know when you you say, you know – Yeah, or you find some tick when you spend a lot of time on a mic, and all of a sudden you realize I gotta stop saying that. It's a a weird habit to fill time with. But getting back to what you were talking about, if we could, um,
1: please,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just got uh, heapingly meta there. (laughs) But uh, the the uh, the baked goods thing got a little bit much because I do have food issues as a man. I'm not proud of it, but uh, you know I was brought up by a, a fairly anorexic mother who made me uh, you know hate the fact that uh, I might be fat. Like she couldn't uh, right. live with that, so I've, I'm wired that way. Mm-hmm. But I'm also wired to enjoy baked goods. So sometimes when I'm on the road, enough people bring cookies and cakes and stuff. My hotel room looks like a sad bake sale where I'm just sitting there surrounded. <laughs> By myself, yeah. with dozens of cookies and cakes, not able to throw them away, not able to give them away, just eating.
0: It's like on your a internal bed. crisis is like the black spy and the white spy.
2: Well, I don't know. I, I think it's more like a bulimic girl. I'm just <laughs> sitting there in a hotel room, <laughs> binging it's on baked goods, feeling bugs. bad about myself. How is that a celebration? What happened to the rock and roll lifestyle I set out to have?
1: Where's the cocaine? Where's the booze? Where are the women? I'll have banana you're, bread. <laughs> you're a massive chance of being on the first. Celebrity version of Hoarders, though. That would be good.
2: Well, in my garage, definitely. There's a fine line between hoarding and being nostalgic. Why are you holding on to something? Everything has a reason. Especially rotten food. No rotten food. Oh, right. I'll throw away rotten food. Oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just think that when people put love and effort into something, at least you should give it away. Yep. You, you know, I know people that would take it. And First of all, to eat food given to you by fans is dubious to begin with. <laughs> A lot of people are like, you eat that stuff? I'm like, they're not going to poison me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm no, I don't know when that day is going to happen, but, uh, but I just feel bad throwing food away of any kind.
1: Yeah, right.
2: Is that a bad thing? That's not a
1: negative thing. No, that's, that's a good. No, thing. That's no. fine. It's sort of—is it sort of a bit like, I'm not not on porn websites, but on like porn Twitter profiles and stuff. You know, they always have like these wishes. Porn lists. Twitter.
2: What what is this well, like thing a, I don't know about? Sorry,
1: like a porn star's Twitter page.
2: Oh, Dana Diarmond. Yeah.
1: They'll have stuff like uh, instead of their website or whatever, there'll be a link to their Amazon wish list. Yeah. Oh, they, so it's sort of like that for you. So well, do
2: all porn stars do that or is that just Dana? I've seen
1: that a few times. Oh. It's been pointed out to me a few times.
2: Oh, so they're looking for, you know, sad fat men who live yeah. their life for them and that's what spend happens. their life masturbating to their asses, want them to send them stuff. Yeah. And then if they do, do they get a picture of them in it or is there some payoff?
1: I don't know. Huh. I don't know. It's it's that's
2: I've I, had i I've had Dana on the show, I should ask her. I don't do the porn star thing much, but that's an interesting thing.
1: Dana, I, I don't know.
2: Dana <laughs> DiArmond, she's a porn star who I, I follow on Twitter because she was on my show a while back, and she does that. She has the Amazon wish list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my only point of reference for yeah. what you're talking about. I just did
0: like the phrase that you used this then, I don't do the porn star thing much. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, I
2: tried it a couple times. It's just to me, it's just hackneyed radio. I mean, to, you oh, know, you mean on
0: your show? Yeah. Having, yeah, yeah. Uh, ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: No, I do porn plenty. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I am a comedian who spends a lot of time in hotel rooms. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't say that I, you know, I'm not endorsing it. I'm not celebrating it. Uh, I use it occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know if I enjoy it. It seems to bring me relief. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> But uh, but I don't think you should be necessarily. I, I think it should all be around usage. Not You should never celebrate the time you spend watching porn. You know you don't want to be approaching porn thinking like, oh, yeah,
0: it's the best <laughs> part go. of
2: my day. Yeah, yeah. Now, my day. Now it happens.
1: I can't wait to look this girl up and then send her whatever she says has on her wish list, some sort of uh, DVD player or something like that. Yeah, why not? Mm.
0: Can you send her stuff that's not on her wish list? I don't know. Is it like a
2: wedding registry.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Send
2: her like a you know, some crystal, you know, and a bread maker. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Toaster. <laughs> um I I saw you about a year ago. I was in New York and my first night in New York, I saw you and Eugene Merman and uh, Christian Shahl at the bell tower
2: bell house bell house yeah bell house in brooklyn at the eugene merman comedy festival exactly oh no
1: no i think it was just before that it was like a one-off sort of a fundraiser or something like that oh yeah i kind of remember that and you were the special guest oh yeah how was i was i special yeah you were good like the whole night was good but the thing that struck me was that it was sort of like a bit of a love-in until you got on and then you just i think you might have picked a fight with someone or something it (laughs) felt like the sort of thing where like you said fans would be bringing baked goods and all of a sudden the dark clouds rolled in when you came on Sometimes I have an adverse reaction to alternative
2: comedy audiences. I think that uh, you know they are arrogant in their shallowness, and it bothers me. I make assumptions about them that right. that there's certain types of um, yeah, and they are a big part of my audience, so I love them as well. But I, I'm a pretty raw guy, and there's a lot of alt comedy that isn't that raw. And sometimes I think when I get up there, they're judging me as this freak of right. uh, this person that can, can't control their libido or feelings or their brain. And uh, I, resent them. I resent them for what I think they are. Or what I think they're doing. And usually I'm wrong, and they just sort of indulge me, and they're like, oh, that's just Mark.
0: <laughs> you think that's it, and they're sitting there going, when is this guy going to talk about unicorns, for fuck's sake? That's exactly Hurry right, up.
2: right, yeah. Where are the unicorns? Where's the fluffy things? Where's the, the weird analogies for things that aren't that important?
0: <laughs> we baked this guy some banana bread, and now he's angry. <laughs> he's throwing sense. the
1: bread. No,
2: <laughs> no, the people that bake the bread, they know who I am.
0: <laughs> so have you, have you, have you been, uh, has, has Melbourne been good to you with the gift-giving? Because you've done, how many... You've done uh, two two, shows shows so far.
2: Just uh, no, I just got a a thing of Tim Tams.
0: Oh yeah, that's
2: uh, that's what I got so at the airport
0: as soon as you got the. No, someone brought him. (laughs) Oh great! On the first
2: show, they threw him up on stage (laughs)
0: like I'm an
2: animal. Watch the animal (laughs) eat the chocolate Tim Tams like like underwear to Tom Jones. Oh yeah, exactly. I (laughs) get bread,
1: yeah, bread and bake cookies. Well, very quickly, just back to what I was saying about Are that we in show. A hurry? No, 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 no. Okay. Just back. To, I was just trying to get finish what I had to say oh, uh, until Daslo changed. I was the, sitting
2: here worrying about that. No, when no, is no. he going to finish what he had to say? <laughs> I'll turn the
1: mic.
0: I'll turn the mic on in a minute, by the way. And then awesome. Are oh, we starting
2: soon? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I think we're warmed up. Yeah. I'm still looking
1: at that statue. So, <laughs> really? anyway, they're taking it down. Yeah. <laughs> so we watched the show and it was great, and you know it was a really good show. And the thing was. When you came out here, I mentioned that to my girlfriend because my girlfriend was there, and uh, she enjoyed it and enjoyed you. But I think it's one of those things where it's a year ago, I think her memory is a bit fuzzy because she's like, oh, Mark Maron was part of that great night. I don't think she quite remembers what you do because she's like, oh, I've booked tickets for all my girlfriends, and we're all going to go together, just me and my girlfriends. Mm. And the last thing that they went together two was sex in the city too mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if she's remembered which one you were on that night so i'll be very interested to see what her sex in the city pals will make of the hour yeah don't
2: underestimate the uh the the the, the power of the broken man
0: right. yeah i
2: the you know sometimes uh i bring out a certain nurturing element in and right. uh, they they feel like oh he's been through a lot I wonder if he's going to be okay. I bring that's where all the bread and cookies come from. Oh,
1: good. It's it's like
2: I tap into this primordial mother thing that they just hope that somehow or another they can comfort me a bit. Right. Or else I alienate them completely. It can go either way. And it goes either way with my mother. So, (laughs) yeah.
0: So this could be like a thing. You know how you can buy like those packs of DVDs where it's like they've got the two movies on one disc? Sure. And sometimes you see them and you go, why put those yeah. two movies together? So you'd have a bit of Sex in the City 2 and then on the other side of the disc, Mark Marin's stand up special.
2: Sure. Does that that, that makes sense? It completely makes sense. Perfect combo. Yeah, it'd be like, well, this is what's the all you know shiny and nice, and this is the teeming underside of the male animal.
0: <laughs> and literally on the underside of the disc too, so it's sure. kinda perfect. Have you done movies? Have you been in I've been in,
2: I was in one movie, two movies.
0: You're almost three. famous.
2: I was in almost famous oh, uh, for almost two minutes. Oh, All really? right.
0: <laughs> Almost 159. I don't, know,
2: I don't know what it was. Very <laughs> powerful scene. Memorable. It was good. I was happy with my acting. Uh, I played the angry promoter. I can give you a bit of that. Here's yeah. My, for those listening. Yeah. This is my scene in Almost Famous. Lock the gates. Lock the gates on these fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. awesome. That's very good. Yeah, in the director's cut, I there's actually more of me. It was. Yeah. It, I thought it was good. Cameron Crowe used to, you know, when after we were shooting it a few times. He would, you know, wander around the set going. We had to import this anger from New York. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that performance just then was so good that I'm looking out the window and someone's building a statue to you out on. Just uh, a
2: half a statue. Yeah, just a
0: half yeah, statue. Yeah. They'll yeah. finish
2: it when I do another
1: movie role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you made him look out there again. That's yeah, a good, that's yeah. a good get. Yeah. So with your show, Mark, um, I feel like they're getting it wrong. <laughs> I feel like we should have had some sort of fight in the car on the way over so that we could make up once we got in here. Well, I think that, that given your attitude about that car ride <laughs> that we
2: presented initially, there was something going on on your side. Right, you, yeah. you were taken aback. You were expecting something different. And then you made a comment that like, wow, you turn the mic on and you act like a person. <laughs> so clearly there was a fight going on. But, but I I'm think not sure now. I'm the one who owes the apology. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, because we did, I mean, the way that we uh, we, we I, I met you at the front of your hotel and then we drove over here and
2: i was a little standoffish
0: well meeting someone at the front of their hotel is an odd like just having to hang out there for 10 minutes on your own nothing Mm. makes you feel like more of a creep yeah and i know some other people staying in that hotel and they were coming out and they're just looking at me i'm just trying to look busy i'm just on my phone going hi yeah yeah, yeah. sending out some tweets
2: uh yeah no i i I will apologize to both of you for being a little um cranky prickly prickly at the beginning but i i uh Frankly, I didn't know what I was getting into. And I I'll knew apologize. that I would be taken somewhere and a microphone <laughs> would be put in front of me and anywhere from three to five hundred thousand people will listen to it.
0: That's very kind of you to say.
2: <laughs> really? It's less than three?
0: Three to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you is that, you know, your, your podcast is, is – you know, one of the most well known probably in the world. And do you find that you have a, a bit of a thing where if someone asks you to come on a podcast, you, do you feel like there's a bit of like an obligation, like you kind of yeah. have to do it? Because if Why do it's, you, think if I'm you here? say, Hey, that's the goodness
2: of my heart. It's so like, yeah, I, I don't want to be a dick. Yeah. Because if you're I'm going to help these guys with their little project,
0: <laughs> a little school project. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you say no, people are going to be like, fucking and he does his own podcast and he yeah. won't give back to other people. Have you ended up in any weird, uh, uh, you know, excluding this one right now, have you ended up in any weird...
2: Well, no, it, like initially I would do uh, anyone's podcast a- and there was a community of podcasters in-, in Los Angeles that were very kind to me and we all do each other's shows and we have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jesse Thorne, Adam Carolla, uh, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Pardo, Jimmy Dore. Um. Who else am I missing? Uh, Doug Benson, Benson yeah. Chris Hardwick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's def- And we definitely are in touch with each other and Comedy Death Ray. Uh, and we do each other's shows and, and we're supportive of each other. But it, it's just interesting because everyone's doing podcasts. So you do get into a situation where you're. I'm asked a lot mm. and I don't want to be a, a, a dick. And but I have been in situations where uh, I had a guy I talked about this on a recent show where you know he was pestering me for for weeks. And he was sending me gifts and sending me coffee, and I was coming to Portland. He was a podcast. He wanted to, you know, uh, you know, take me out and do a recording and buy some cigars, and you know, he's just very. And he's a decent guy. But we, you know, we ended up going to the cigar shop that he rented the room to record the show. And somewhere midway through that show, I, I, it became clear to me that this might never go up. <laughs> I, you know, that you know, he, the, but it, it wasn't bad. I mean, I did get a very good coffee maker out of it and uh, some nice coffee, and we smoked some nice cigars. He was a very pleasant guy. But uh, he just
0: wanted to hang out and just there, there that. is that
2: possibility. But that's also the nature of what we're doing in the sense that a lot of people are not consistent with their shows. They may be doing their first show or their second show. They may you know, not put one up for a few weeks. It's not the legitimacy of any one podcast is only relative to uh, to what. To, to it being put up. Yeah. To, I mean, some podcasts are never listened to, but people are still doing it, and it's still a legitimate podcast. But then am I the asshole that says, well, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. And then a lot of times, you know, people want you to do their podcast, so you will tweet about it and bring people to their podcast, which I'm not unwilling to do. Uh, but it gets to a point where the fact that everyone – has access to this medium and many people are using it that I, I have to be a dick sometimes and go like, you know, I, I don't know if I, I can do yeah, the podcast you do in your car. I, I don't know if I can, <laughs> even if you pick me up. Even if you drive into your garage, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. do it. <laughs> uh, and, and it's nothing personal. I just
1: don't have time. Yeah. It's... And I got to go. It's great talking to you. You've got to do a podcast in someone's larder right now. <laughs> Larders where exactly. we have food in, in Australia. A what? A larder. A larder? Yeah. Have you never heard that? How do you spell that? L-A-R-D-E-R. I was afraid you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> uh, a larder. Yeah. What you, is that?
0: No one uses the term larder. Don't they? No. Or maybe
1: I read that in British Mad Magazine. Yeah, viz. What would a larder be?
0: Like a pantry? Pantry.
1: Pantry's pantry is probably a oh, word. Oh, in a home? Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, so it's a food closet. Yeah. yeah. A pantry.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. A larder. Yeah.
1: And so the joke there was that... A, Someone was doing a podcast. No, in I like a Small enclosed place no, with now of food. Now that we've deconstructed the joke, yeah. I, th- I think it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. nothing's
0: better for comedy than really having to break it down word <laughs> by word. Have Especially, you listened to my podcast? <laughs> Especially a sweet larder
1: joke. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah.
2: good. I like larder. There must be some history behind that word. That that was where the lard was kept in order to cook with. I mean, there's got to be something interesting about the uh, history of that word. If you word. go in there
0: too much, you become a big sack of lard.
2: Yeah, sure. But yeah. I, I don't know that that would be the reason to call it that <laughs> because it would seem like you'd be making fun of your mom or whoever the big fat sack of lard would be in your
1: house. <laughs> so do you think at the moment that you're probably like, is is this the, for want of a better word, for one of a of an appropriate showbiz term, is this the hottest you've ever been?
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: no doubt for sure. Uh,
2: I don't know what that means, hot whatnot. Uh, I you know, two years ago, I was suicidal and divorced and broke and unable to get work. So, uh, how it's changed my life is uh, you know, both personally and professionally is profound.
1: I mean, the ability uh, just that's to, to apexed coming here. So yeah, that, I, I don't, I don't know how that all happened. It was never
2: <laughs> the plan. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what we were going to get out of this thing. You know, I'd just been fired from a, a radio, internet, uh, TV show job. Because the company went broke, and uh, I was really uh, down on my luck and uh, the guy I was working with at the radio station uh, him and I decided to try a podcast, and we basically they hadn't taken our security cards away, so we were breaking into the studio to do those first six or ten podcasts, yep. not really knowing what uh, what was going to come of it or how it was going to evolve, and uh, we started putting them up, and we got a little bit of a response, but we just sort of made a commitment to to be consistent. And uh, to be regular about posting them and just handle it as professionally as possible, and he's a, a genius producer. So, uh, and then I went home to L.A. and I set up shop and figured out. Had some other podcasters show me how to to record, and uh, and that's just sort of the, what happened. It's it's a great it's it's a great freedom to be able to do something for yourself and have it be popular without having to answer to anybody on a corporate level or a creative level. It's uh it's amazing.
0: And I would say that you're probably one of the first examples of someone doing something like this, like a free podcast that has then led to an increase of their of their profile for their live work off the back of it. And was mm-hmm. that was that ever was that ever an intention? Was that ever maybe like a thing to lead, or you just just literally wanted to?
2: My comedy has always been. You know, I'm, I'm a comic for, first and foremost. In, in if that's is that how you use foremost? But I, I mean, I I didn't uh, I didn't really see it that way. I mean, a lot of guys did go into podcasting specifically to to bring people to their live shows. And, and that's
0: I, yeah. Now that's very much become a thing. It's like oh, if I do a podcast, then a then, week later my shows will be selling out.
2: <laughs> I never thought of it. Right. And it was not it was not my agenda. My agenda was I enjoyed radio as a medium and I and I sort of took to it and I was good at it. And uh, it seemed that it's not everybody that can. There's something about talking on a mic, especially alone, that it's a unique talent. And uh, there was something about the way I did it that was personal and mine. And I liked the medium a lot and talking to other people, uh, you know, intimately, uh, people, my peers or whatnot in an honest way it was very compelling to me and sharing it was compelling to me. I didn't I never thought of uh the fact that it either that it would get big or that it would help me on the road or anything. I just liked doing the medium. I liked having the freedom to do radio any way I wanted to.
0: Yeah. And you I mean you're very honest on your show. You don't really hold back. Much or anything about yourself, and I I think I've heard you talk about this before. (laughs) Well, yeah, you, uh, you, I've heard you talk about this before. You get yourself into a bit of a weird thing where you you meet fans after shows who you, you know you've never met before, but they know all the intimate details.
2: Of they, being- they they know me and they and, and i think they honestly do know me yeah uh, I, I don't know if it's all the intimate details but certainly uh be, because of what i make available of myself on on the mic uh, they definitely do have a sense of who i am which i think is great because it's all i ever wanted was to be true to myself both creatively and and um and you know, with myself so the one thing i know now is that Excuse me, if people are coming to see me, they, they're not being misled if they know the yeah. podcast. But it's weird because, as a comic, I've, you know, did comedy for 20 years before I did this thing. That, uh, you know, doing comedy and doing something you do alone and improvise in your garage with no context of, of an audience mm. or wondering where the laugh is going to come or even being concerned about the laugh, you know, that dynamic is very different than standing in front of an audience that expects laughter and working within, within that context. So I find myself after a show. Uh, if people come who are fans, I, if I'm insecure at all, I'll ask, uh, was I me? <laughs>
0: uh, and if they say
2: yes, I feel fine.
0: And if they think no, they just start piving Tim Tams at you. No, I, it's... Piving it, means throwing.
2: Uh, yeah. piving <laughs> Heaps of Tim Tams. Pivving heaps, yeah, okay. <laughs> heaps of Tim Tams. <laughs> <peeping, laughs>
0: heaps of Timmies. Pivving heaps of Timmies out. I like that. Getting them out of the larder. Peeping and peeping heaps of Timmies. You might yeah. enjoy this. This is this is how crazy we are for shortening words and phrases in this mm-hmm. country. So, 7 Eleven mm-hmm. becomes SEVs. You hear people just refer to it as SEVs.
2: Yeah, I like that. KFC.
0: I've yeah. I got mates from school who call it Kers.
2: Well, that's ridiculous. That's
0: Ks. Ks is almost that's as long, long. as KFC. It's, yeah, it's longer, yeah.
2: It's, sometimes it's just a unique way of saying it. it's sort of like a kind of inside. Yeah, thing. like I
0: don't have to feel dirty about going to KFC. Yeah, I'm yeah. being cool because I'm going, I'm going Ks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah KFC
2: is too corporate. Yeah, <laughs> <somewhere>, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is this? Uh, th- this is not your first time in this country. Is, you've been here before.
2: I was in Sydney a couple years ago. Yeah, that was good. And then I was uh, I was here in Melbourne in probably 19. 19- 92 or 93, which wow. was uh, bad, bad right. times.
0: What what happened?
2: I uh, I was sent home from Australia. I was, <laughs> okay. I was spit out by <laughs> your your large island. So spit,
1: sent out from our convict country, you were?
2: Yeah, I was. I was uh, expelled, exiled. You
0: stole shit from a SEVS?
2: Kicked out of detention. No, I wasn't even that... Uh, Rock and roll. It had nothing to do with drugs or <laughs> right. breaking any laws. It was really just a relative to a sort of a, a nervous breakdown, is what happened. I um, I was in New York. Uh, I left New York, I guess 90, 92. I was in New York, maybe ninety one, ninety two. And a and a guy who booked a club here. I think his his sister is still in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Tobin.
1: Yeah, oh, Mary yeah, yeah. Tobin. She's got yep. a promoter here. Yeah. Right. Her
2: brother Dave. I believe uh-huh. is his name, perhaps. I, I think it was. Well, they, they were both involved. They had a club called The Last Laugh uh, years ago here. Yep. And David seen me in New York, and he said, you know, you're great. I want to bring you to Australia. And I said, I'd be interested in that. And then I moved to San Francisco. And uh, and then the offer came through. He said, I want you to headline. It's going to be four weeks, and we'll extend it a week. Uh, and uh, and he told, told me the whole layout. And And, and at that time... I think I might have had 30, 35 minutes of material, you know, maxed out, you know, good stuff that I could do. I was a a middle act, a feature act uh, at best at that time. But I took the gig, and in my guts I said, you you know, this is – It's a tall order. You know, I I was recently, I was sober for the first time. You know, I really did have about 35 minutes I could count on. I was not comfortable traveling. I did not like being away from my country for that long or my friends. And, you know, I knew when I signed the contract, like, I was like, I'm doing this. And something inside of me was like, don't, you're not ready for this shit. So that was how I went into it. So I remember flying here. And getting off the plane and I'm exhausted, I'm freaked out. I I and this is how I learn, this is how I do things. In order I get myself into positions that that are overwhelming or bad situations for me to see if I can get out. That's how I write my jokes. That's how I live my life. I'm 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 a very anxious, panicky, frightened person that will put myself into situations that are horrifying to see if I can get out of them.
1: I, <laughs> Do you think you're going to get out of this today? Or? I'm not. I'm not afraid anymore. This, right. was a,
2: this was 20 years ago, or however long ago. Right. So I get here and I'm tired, and I'm like, I'm feeling like I made a mistake. And I'm picked up at the airport, and you know, right away we're on the wrong side of the road. So I'm like, you know, like, so, like already I'm like, I'm
0: fucked. <laughs> the, the,
2: everything's on the wrong side here. How They're are they going to? are using words understand?
0: you've never heard before. I don't yeah. even
2: remember that. And I, in, in my memory, <laughs> I saw kangaroos. I, on right. the, uh, on the, is it possible at that, the airport? No. Probably between not. the airport and Melbourne.
0: No. No. Probably. Maybe. Not.
1: Really?
2: I mean, I mean are was, they like deer went, here? I mean, no, like, no, no, no. Oh, uh, I
1: mean, yeah, because I mean, the airport's my, a fair way out of the city. Oh, well, in, in
2: my mind, I saw them. Right. Uh, uh, I don't it, think you did. Okay, fine. But <laughs> you know, unless you just, drove through the zoo, maybe we did. Okay. Maybe the uh, we long way around. We yeah. we drove, uh, and I'm on the wrong side of the road. I'm panicky about that. There's kangaroos. I'm in trouble. Uh, we get to the club, and they they had this huge poster of me, a painting on the wall, like right. a billboard with my face, and next to it were quotes that I didn't say. So they had made up things I said from magazines that didn't exist, and I'm like, that's, that's horrible. It's false advertising. Quotes well,
1: like, like, um, um, like jokes? From or... from, oh, like some right. reviews. Uh,
2: maybe not quotes of me, but like, you know, they made up these great reviews. I'm like, right. that, that's completely fake. I you were going to
0: say they'd like made up jokes, like here's a sample of him.
2: No, no. And then I started the panic, started to set in, then they put me up at a flat, and I was just not equipped to travel internationally. I was not... I, I didn't have the mental disposition for it. I felt, I felt alienated, uh, you know, lonely. I felt like, you know, there's no way the people of this country are going to accept me. I grew to realize that I, can, I feel that way when I leave the house. So, <laughs> the, so I was able to get over my xenophobia as just yeah. being relative to my neurotic disposition. You but, started uh, driving on your right side of the road. Yeah, just to get yeah. over it. Yeah. yeah, I got into a lot of trouble, but it was worth it because I'm no longer afraid to come here. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, I, so I get here and then there's previews. I don't know what the fuck previews are. They're like these, you know, the show's like I'm previewing now, whatever that is. They're a press show. Yeah, right? they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first night I go up, and, and here's the deal. that I get here, and I'm used to just doing comedy clubs where I'm a feature act. You know, you got an opener, you got me, then a headliner. It's one show. I get here. There's a comic hosting. Then there's some sort of burlesque act almost. These two women, one with an accordion. And, the, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then the next act is a guy who I believe, if I'm not, if I'm not bad in the memory, His closer was escaping from a straitjacket on a unicycle. All right, I'm watching this. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? And then there's an intermission. I'm like, you're just going to stop the show? Like, because I don't have intermissions where I live. Right. You know, to me that was like, that's how. Then we got to start over. Start all over again. You know. So I'm panicking, and I do my first night, and then the the guys book, and it says, well, yeah, these jokes aren't going to work here because we don't know what that is, and don't do the joke about sticking your thumb in your wife's ass. I mean, that's (laughs) not. And I'm like... We don't do that here. No, in my mind, I'm like, that's my closer, you know, and, and now, like, so now I'm, I'm hobbled. You know, I've been crippled by the booker, and now, like, I'm down into 30 minutes, and I've got to do 40 or 45. Stick your thumb in the kangaroo's ass. I should have. <laughs> yeah. But I was just panicking. I don't even remember what that joke was, but I remember it had something to do with that.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: and uh, so this goes, you know, the week is just chipping away at my act, and I'm watching these other acts kill, and I'm just... Falling into myself, I'm like, "This is bad."
0: And are you doing I'm well?
2: So, I'm barely holding on. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm certainly not in control of the game, right. and and it's it's hit or miss, and it, you know, and it's not solid. And uh, it was it was really taking a toll on me. And then uh, you know the the first night of uh, real shows was a Saturday night, and that was a big room. This place it was a big showroom, mm-hmm. like a dinner club. It must have been three four hundred people. The place is packed. The comedian goes on, great. Then the two women, they do good. Then, of course, the guy escaping from the (laughs) straitjacket. And at that point, I just fucking died inside. You know, I got up on stage, and it it was the first real night. And I'm up there for like two seconds, and someone in the audience in the dark says, you know, where'd you get that jacket? And it was an American, of all things. And, like, I just froze, and I couldn't say anything. And then I bombed in such a way that if you've been doing this long enough it doesn't happen that often but you know when it does all i could hear were the embers of my cigarette you know burning and it just seemed like slow motion It, it was it was not just bombing it was bombing with a vacuum like there was there was a silence that was sucking my being away from me and and i do remember that like it was one of those moments where i i left my body like literally i was like my uh, myself left. I rose up about above my body. I said, "You know, good luck. I'll be backstage," <laughs> and and just left myself out there to die. Now, if they could have only seen that, it would have been quite a better trick than escaping <laughs> from a straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> like Is if it- they could see, like he's leaving his body. Yeah. To come. <laughs> the guy bombing on stage, he's not even in that guy. <laughs>
1: that, but they couldn't see that. So that I, is a brilliant setup for that joke, by the way, to, do, uh, to, to bomb for that long and then your, your spirit comes out of you. It's yeah. a good setup. It takes a while, but it's yeah. a good payoff. Yeah. yeah, I just found that before I came here so yeah. I could tell it here, but, but it did happen. Yeah. I
2: just never made the connection between the straitjacket and the, uh, yeah, the leaving yeah. the body until, until recently, but it did happen. So, so after that. You know, I walk backstage just beaten. Like, there's a weird baptism to that kind of failure. There's something cleansing about it where you know, like, that was just the worst it could be, yeah. short of dying, yeah. literally dying. And the booker's like, oh man, like, I could see in everyone's faces, like, are you okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the
0: worst thing to hear after you get off stage. Well, yeah, but you are see you okay? It. <laughs>
2: I, was he wa- talking, I wasn't. Was he talking to the spirit or the body? No, I'd rejoined. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'd right, come right. together right. To, for the, for the, uh, the post-mortem. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and they had a little room upstairs that you could do. Like, so I went up and did the smaller room that seated about 50 people, and I did fine. But the next day, he took, this is a weekend, he takes me out for coffee. And I forgot to mention I went on the Steve Visard show, oh, yeah. uh, and, but it wasn't Steve Visard. Someone was filling in for him. And right. that was in the other part of the problem is that, like, I get there, it's like, this is just like the Letterman show, but the desk is on the wrong side. Yeah. So everything's on the wrong side. And was, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, so he takes me out for coffee and he basically says, look, this is not working out. Uh, you know, it's my mistake. Uh, you're just not right for the market. He was very diplomatic about it. And in my, you know, in, you know, of course, I said, really, I was just getting the hang of it. But inside of me, I was like, thank fucking God, just want me to go home. And right after he tells me I, I'm fired and he's going to pay me for three weeks and send me home. Some the waiter walks up and says, I just saw you on Steve Izard, You're really funny. Are you playing anywhere? And I'm like, no,
0: i <laughs> <laughs> going home. you one fan in the country and you've let him down. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, I remember because that that flight home, I was like, I got I'm going to quit doing comedy. I started drinking again. It oh, was wow. gnarly. Yeah. So that was that. Now, here's the interesting part of that story is I'm in Edinburgh, 2007, I think. And uh, I've just gotten comfortable with traveling internationally. I really have this weird thing about feeling very alone, but it's, it's gone. Thank God it took a while. But I went to Edinburgh You know, I've been to Britain since and I've been to Ireland a couple times. So, you know, I, I like it now. I'm OK with it but it was my first time at the Edinburgh Festival and I'm sitting there you know it's like the first day in and everyone's at that bar where everyone goes and I'm sitting there having a soda or whatever and this dude walks in and I'm looking at him like what? and I'm like oh my god and I said were you the MC in Melbourne? (laughs) When I was sent home, do you remember who I am? And he's like, "Yeah," and it was Greg Fleet. Yes, friend of the show. Friend
0: of the show. It Greg was Greg Fleet.
2: Fleet. But I didn't know anything about him. All I remembered, I remembered his fucking teeth. And, but, and then know, he owes you twenty bucks. No, I no. didn't. I didn't know anything about Fleet. No. I don't. I don't know him until we. Here's what happened. So, so we sit down, and he said, yeah, "I kind of remember that." And he had hair then. I, me- I remember him. I remember yeah. his face. And I'm sitting there having a soda. I order a soda, and he orders a beer. And you know I'd not seen him in 20 years, and this was this weird connection. And um, and after I order my soda, he goes, ah, "That's what I should have ordered." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I just got rehab." And I'm like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, I just uh, I can't get control of this thing." And we started talking, and I got I'm 11 years sober, so I know how to talk this talk. And somehow or another, I just said, "Well, look, dude, I mean, you know, how is that not going to lead back to smack?" You know, and you know, and then like I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do what we do." You know, while I'm in Edinburgh, and why don't you go with me? you know and so we sort of bonded around this month of of just you know trying to keep him sober and
1: when you say do what you do you mean go to meetings yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that yeah, yeah.
2: and uh, so we became sort of friends through that whole process and it was sort of this weird closure to this uh right. this Melbourne oh, adventure right right right, right. Uh, so <laughs> you know somehow and now coming back here and having these great shows it's just been uh, it's sort of moving because that was a very traumatic thing
0: the only uh, way to me. cap the story off perfectly is for you to now be walking down an alleyway in Melbourne and there to be a burlesque lady playing an accordion <laughs> on you the street like, oh, Oh, it's you. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Or find the guy who's getting in the
0: straight <laughs> jacket.
2: <laughs> I could do a little research and try to find out who that was. But, you know, but now I know Fleet and, you know, we're friends and, you know, I, I don't. Uh you know, I'm not sure that that month helped, but I know for that month he was relatively
1: <laughs> clear-headed. You could it? go back and, and really nail a performance back at that old venue. But to be honest, I believe that old venue where you were is now a gay bar, so I'm not sure. I don't. What yeah, you have maybe. Do.
2: Uh, well, I I could probably do the straight jacket thing, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Except uh, the take off Take it off, the leather take it jacket off and again. that's the yeah. act. It's all come yeah. full circle. I can
2: escape from my chaps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, I know from listening to your show that you're you and you've talked about it uh, just earlier that you're a bit of a foodie. Mm. Uh, what have you gotten into in Melbourne so far?
2: I went to Movida. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, what else have I done? I went to Brother Ben Baba. Something the coffee place. yeah, I
0: don't know that place. I'm not a big coffee guy.
2: Uh, bro, but I wish I could remember it. It's Brother Ben Bon Boone something. Yeah. <laughs> but they have uh, – it's it's spectacular. I yeah. I mean, they're really, really kind of like – Just uh, coffee you, you're talking about. Right. But they're 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 sort of uh, snobby, arty coffee people that are into the, the, the flavor of the bean. They do that yeah. clover pot if you want, which is a, a really sort of pure way of doing the coffee so you can really taste the flavor of it. But they also do the pretty stuff on top of the foam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, But they're very into it, and yeah. it's very good. And that's it's basically
0: a, every second coffee joint in Melbourne. That's right. but very it's Very snobby.
2: Right. But it's rare in my country. Right. I mean, we have you know high-end coffee places, but there's only a couple that do the patterns in the film and uh, okay. you know, oh, right. do that like and have the uh, that really are kind of focused on the quality of the roast and stuff. It's good.
0: Well, that's the thing. So many places do it here that it's a bit old hat. Like there's well, no. It's very exciting. For no me. joy in it anymore. You get yeah. a little whatever clothing. Oh yeah, good one.
2: Well, I'm glad that uh, that uh, I'm not jaded like you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, we are worried. If we're the jaded ones
1: in the room, yeah. this sounds like
2: it. Sounds like you're just over it. Uh, but also, I've heard that uh, I went and had some curry at some place down on, on Russell and um, Flinders. Uh, just a, like a, but it was oh, good. Yeah. Yep. It was. A, it was a little place uh, right there on the corner. It was yeah. a takeout curry place, but it's good. I like Indian food a lot. But yeah. I heard Code is good and Cumulus is good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to maybe getting those places. I watched some some place called Dainty Sashwan. On uh, Anthony Bourdain show, I might go to that. I like good food. Yeah. I hope I can get to but I, I, I can't go myself. I was going to go the other night. I'm, I'm not fucking doing that. I'll wait till I can find someone to go with me. The first, the first night I was here, the first show, I actually went to Movita with a fan.
0: <laughs> Some dude
2: was like, well, you, you want to go get something to eat? I'm like, ugh. Um, he, he hadn't, brought, he, didn't, any, right, he hadn't right. brought any food himself, so he had to... That's right. Yeah, yeah but he, he said, he said
0: it, it was a podcast. Well, you, you never know, <laughs> know
2: what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like that scene uh, in... Um, but not so much, but I love that scene in Almost Famous where Lester Bangs, uh, the guy who's Philip Seymour Hoffman, is yeah. playing Lester Bangs, a rock journalist, and he's yeah. in town, and the kid goes to see him and, and asks him uh, if he wants to get something to eat. And Lester Bangs is like, what do you think? I have time to go out with some you know, kid who's trying to be a rock journalist, and then the next cut is cut that to. meeting. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I thought that would have been awesome if you'd said, you know, my favorite scene in Almost Famous is where the angry promoter is like, <laughs> oh, the gate.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy with that, too. But but, uh, <laughs> but the guy was nice. He was a TV producer, and he took me to Movita cool. and it, it was very good food. That was yeah. very good.
0: I went out last night to a place called Long Grain, which is uh, a a fancy kind of Asian place up, uh, up on the top of Little Burke Street. Because uh-huh. uh, it was my girlfriend's birthday yesterday, so I took her out for dinner. And I kind of I have this thing anytime I go out for a nice fancy meal, you know I've dressed up in a suit, really nice. I feel anytime I go out to somewhere nice that everyone in the room is looking at me, going, "Look at him pretending! Yeah. Look at him in his dad's yeah. little suit <laughs> pretending that he's fancy." Yeah. But I ordered um I got this great sort of um, amazing chicken that was like a whole chicken, right? And yeah. They they did this weird thing, and I was looking around, and they don't give you knives. Mm. Like, they give you a fork and a spoon, and I've got this whole chicken on the bone that I've got to try and get the meat off, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking around the horizon, no one else has a knife, so I'm already feeling insecure about being in this fancy place, and I'm literally having to just dig meat off the bone with a spoon, just Mm -hmm. like claw it off. Mm. And I'm like going, can I ask? And then I looked around, and there was a guy sitting a couple tables down from us in a full neck brace, and I had this couple of seconds of going... Maybe he asked for a knife and that's what they did to him. <laughs> I can't ask for – it's like such a weird thing to have like this fancy and just feel really sure. insecure it. probably about happened
1: the last time he was there too, but he's back. He's yeah, wearing exactly. His it's, yeah. It's
0: the food's too good, mm-hmm. but I'm like – I thought you
1: meant like maybe you look so stupid, even the guy in the neck brace was pitying you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it felt like that. I'm like, well, what are they expecting me to do? Pick up the this fancy place, pick it up and just yeah. – hang, just nibble away at the, at the drumstick or whatever?
2: I do that. I do that anyways. I like eating with my hands. Fuck yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Don't judge me.
0: Yeah. So what happened in the end? What was the answer? I just I just had to really awkwardly – I had to do this thing where
2: – Good follow-up question, by the way. Yeah.
0: I had to just stab the whole thing with the fork and then just awkwardly use the spoon to just gut bits of meat off of it. Jesus.
2: Wow, yeah. and, and of course, you were obsessed with this the entire time while you were supposed to be paying attention to your that's, girlfriend. That's you know.
0: exactly <laughs> yeah. Whose birthday
2: was, you're sitting here looking, thinking like, you know, I'm an idiot in a suit that's a child dressed up, <laughs> and it. now I'm eating like a baby, and all these people <laughs> are judging me.
0: I knew you of all people would understand. I completely understand. <laughs> yeah.
2: And what did your girlfriend say after dinner?
0: But she No, she was fine with it, but it was just that thing of her going, maybe you should just ask for a knife. And I'm like, I don't want to look like an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> and scraping you really amazing. did. I didn't ask for a knife. I didn't ask for a knife. No, I'm too much out a of pussy. shame. I'm too yeah. Like I have problems with uh, I because I can't use chopsticks, and I hate going to like a Japanese place or whatever, and having to be that guy that goes.
1: You thought me, can you thought if I asked for something because it's a licensed venue, they'd come over and ask for your ID, and they'd find <laughs> and then, out that you're 14.
0: Yeah, and then I'd get the boot. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: You can
2: exactly. learn how to use chopsticks. It's not it's not like algebra or yeah, chemistry. I, so it's yeah, pretty simple. I know.
0: I know. <laughs> just At an age where I've, I think I've committed to it, I've committed to just to not, not, knowing to not to not being able to use them. It's my thing, you know, if we're out for dinner and there's 10 of us, yeah, I'm so the you like, stick guy. You,
2: you like being uncomfortable and the center of attention for your faults,
0: <laughs> Jesus. You've turned it into your show, mm. <laughs> you have really flipped the script on us in the same way. Like, if I go out to a bookstore or a DVD place or whatever, uh-huh. I'd never ask where something is, hmm. really, yeah.
1: I can't. I've changed. I do that all the time. Really? Because when I went overseas, I went, there's no other way to find out stuff except for ask people. Yeah, so, it's, it's it's a human thing,
2: asking for help. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's how we grow. I
1: feel like I don't deserve it if I can't find it on my own. Really? <laughs>
0: yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so joyous when I'm in a bookshop and they've got the, the like at Borders, how they've got the... um.
1: Recommendations.
0: The, no, no, the computers that you can just look oh, stuff right. up on your own. That to me is like, oh, okay. so you don't have heaven. to engage with you anybody. Engage you with don't, anybody. don't have to engage with anybody. You
2: risk yeah. being shamed by your non knowledge of something you should know nothing about. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't know. I didn't build this store. I don't know how they arrange it. I guess <laughs> I, I don't deserve to have what's here. I'm bringing
0: this stuff up in front of you because I thought I would have an ally. <laughs> 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 I thought if anyone would understand me, it would be you. Oh, no, I
2: used to be like that. But, like, <laughs> right. it's like I'm trying to understand exactly what, because I talked to another person I was with who the hell was that? Oh, I remember I was uh, doing stand-up in um, Madison. Did you got in the
1: straight jacket. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Him and I like haven't talked in
2: years. <laughs> no, some dude in Madison had the same issue. Like, I went, we walked into a restaurant we had an hour to eat because we had to be at a show and I literally there's a fucking word again <laughs> I, I said I said uh, look, we got an hour you know, I, I don't know it was a fancy restaurant but we're doing a show can you get us in and out? And the guy with me we sat down he's like I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I, like I would never have said that we don't have time to and I'm like what's the matter with you life is too fucking short to yeah. be ashamed for bullshit yep so I used to be like that though and then I realized well, all you're risking is being a dick and I'm I'm probably being looked at that way anyways
0: that's it yeah yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you know I mean I'm, I'm already like that and it, it, it usually if you're gracious and you you're sort of say what you want and you're appreciative, you don't alienate anybody and you, get, and you live life a, a little better I, than you want. I
1: agree because I think it took me quite a while to, to remember or work out that when you're dealing with people in authority or people in restaurants or shops or whatever, I've always thought they're like the man and it's good not to mess with them until you realize, no, they're just me yeah. on the other side of the counter. Right. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but if you say please and thank you and you actually
2: say I really appreciate that and that yeah. kind of stuff, which I forget a lot of times, not because I'm um, – It, it, that type of politeness is, is a learned thing. And and even if you're pretending like a lot of times I will, I'll say like, can I just get that? And then they give it to me and I don't even acknowledge that they're a person. And I've, I've actually walked out of place and went, oh, fuck and walk back in. Thank you. I'm sorry. I really appreciate it. But it makes a big difference, and then everybody's happy, and, and they're there to serve you. Uh, you just have to be nice.
0: Well, what started out as a silly anecdote has ended <laughs> with me taking a good, hard look at myself.
1: Welcome to my world. <laughs> Very quickly, I just want to get back to one thing that you said you were on the Visard show, and it was exactly like the Letterman show. Um, but he but, wasn't there. But it's there was the It was a fill-in. I still have no idea what Steve Visard looks like. Oh, right. He <laughs> he actually, went, he, he's on the radio station just down the road from here, so you yeah. can pop in there after this show And say you, like. you owe
2: me. Yeah, <laughs> my trip would have been so much better had you been at your own
0: show.
1: Yeah, and he loved like the fake Paul Schafer there, probably with him as well. So I wonder if was that waiter there was a fake.
0: Paul there Schafer, was, yeah. and his
1: name was Paul. Paul Grabowski. Oh, okay. I wonder yeah. if that
0: waiter from that story is going to come to your show, whether he's like remembered all these years and then looked you up.
1: Oh, good call.
0: That'd be amazing. Maybe
1: I should ask every
2: night. Yeah. Off from the backstage. Mic, Any
0: waiters in? It's <laughs> the waiter
2: who asked me if I was going to be at the last <laughs> laugh because he saw me on the Steve Weizart show in 1992. Here.
0: If I'm back. Does, if that, I'm back. If that does happen, if that does happen, can you ask him for a knife for me, just so I have one on me all the time, just in yeah. case? You oh, never yeah.
2: know. We should get you a special knife in a case. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end of the program, guys. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming in.
2: It's a pleasure. I hope. Uh, I hope I wasn't too much of. A, did we make up for whatever? <laughs> whatever. Yeah, the, yeah.
0: I'd like to apologize is this to, the, is, this, to you. is this the quickest uh, feud and turnaround that you've ever experienced? The whole thing took about half an yeah. hour.
2: Well, the feud was one-sided. I, I knew. <laughs> I, was, I knew I was being a dick but I didn't know that we would work through it but, uh, I'm, I'm glad I, I, I did I if, feel if you it. could
1: tell some, some people back in LA
2: that we're assholes just
1: so we can mend things oh I will over here I as well. can just follow my Twitter feed right after I get back to the hotel <laughs> uh,
0: if you want to check Mark out you can see him at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the Melbourne Town Hall at 8.15 yeah. yeah. every night except Mondays 7.15 Sundays
1: you can, come, uh, uh, you can come on the night where my girlfriend and all of her friends come yeah, dressed as uh, their favorite Sex in the City character. Sex in the City night. Oh, yeah, that
0: would be great. <laughs> right. Let's try and... Oh,
2: Bachelorette parties, please. You All are invited. Out.
0: It's a sea of teenies <laughs> in front of you. That would be amazing. Uh, folks, thanks so much for listening in. Thanks to Mark for joining us. We'll see you next week on The Little Dum Dum Club. See you, mate. See you, mates.